0: I tell the future. I tell the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's RJ Bell. I tell the future. I tell the
1: You know, I'm going to tell you about a dream, a passion project dream I have, Jonas. (laughs) And that dream, it's kind of personal, is that when something like last night's game ending happens, that there's a lot of people, and I'll say that uh, very ambitiously, a lot of people are thinking, man, I can't wait. To hear what RJ has to say about that. I think we've achieved that to some degree. I think we can grow that a lot more, but. I just love days like today, because you know, many times in my life, if it were sports, if it were politics, if it were other things of interest to me, Howard Stern, when something would happen, I'd be thinking, huh, what's Howard going to say about this? And I think with a lot of sports stuff, Colin Cowherd rises to that level for me, and hopefully, for our listeners on the gambling side that's where we reside and I want to deliver on it I think we got to start not only with Monday night football but in the game's ending.
0: Yeah, it was a wild one last night in Cleveland, Ravens over the Browns 47 to 42 an interesting score considering to most people it shouldn't have been a 5 point win, it should have been a 3 point win, thus there were a lot of unhappy people after that game was over.
1: Yeah, and first let's and I tweeted this out uh, with all the details at RJ in Vegas on Twitter. A lot of people are thinking, oh, yeah, there was a lot of, um, you know, money bet before the game day. And, you know, Ravens were favored by one point, then two points, then three points. And it's like, yeah, it was kind of a split action. No, what people don't realize is this was even bigger than you might think, because the amount of game day action on NFL games is just so much bigger than people realize. You can bet the whole week, so people might think, oh, yeah, there's more betting on game day, but you know there's a lot of betting before that. So, up at Pregame.com, we have the Game Center. And for free, you get to see the bet splits on every game, the cash splits. And that's really hard to get for free. It's a fun way to say, well, 58% on this and 40-some percent on that. And... If you look at it, come Sunday 6 a.m. So this was, you know, before Monday. Obviously, Sunday 6 a.m. There was about 150,000 bet on the Monday night game up to that point. Now entering Monday, the day there was 450,000 bet. So about 300 more thousand bet throughout Sunday. Two hours before kickoff, there was 1.6 million bet, and at kickoff. 3.4 million. So, literally more than half of the betting on Monday Night Football, this specific game happened in the last two hours. Wow. And only entering Monday, 450,000 of 3.4 million. So, like one-seventh of the action had been bet entering Monday. So, almost everyone that bet the game had the browns if they had the browns plus 3 and the ravens minus 3. So, this was an example of it would have been a big push if it had fallen 3 with some uh, the, the books really would have gotten hurt in that case and here's why. Most people that bet early would have bet the ravens. That's why it the line moved up. And thus, in the in betting, it's called being sided, S-I-D-E-D, whereas you pay one side and then you push the other side. So, the books, it would have been a bad result, but the players, hardly anyone would have lost. Hardly any players would have lost at three. They either would have pushed or won. Now, what ends up happening is all the Browns bettors lose, and pretty much. And it was... you know when it came to how the books did on that it was pretty split so it's fair to say that when it comes to the betters overall versus the bookies yeah it was about a a split but when it comes to who won there were hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars amongst batters that swung hands so obviously all of the Browns betters lost all the Ravens betters won and for those that didn't see it that five-point final and I think everyone listening to the show probably knows but uh, there was a safety on that very last play and it was a futile play it didn't seem to have any rationale to it <laughs> and the funny thing is I get the idea of taking the chance but why not move forward why keep moving back <laughs> backwards
0: so but, but I, I actually I think that's the worst way like if, if you had the Browns plus three or whatever it was or it, it, to lose like that I think is even worse because it's just you're watching it's almost like it's in slow motion you're just watching them move back another yard and back five more yards and all of a sudden they run out of room and it's just such a helpless feeling right out of-
1: there's a great movie, and I mean a great movie, called The Gambler. And um, Mark Wahlberg remade it, uh, I think five years ago, maybe. And I like that version, but the original version that has James Caan playing the main character, you know, Sonny Corleone, is one of the great, if not the greatest, gambling movie ever. And, And there's a scene in which he's on a run in Vegas. Now, remember, this movie was made, like, in 74. So, Vegas is like nothing, you know, compared to what it is now So it was you know It's like four or five hotels Dirt roads kind of things And James Caan is just on a roll I mean just winning Winning and winning And finally He's playing blackjack And he has 18 And he's got like 20,000 bet on it You know this is 1974 money now And he goes hit me And everyone's looking like, And he goes hit me And he, a three comes out Hits the 21 And he goes I'm done. You know, it was like it was. It was like he, he needed something to happen to tell him the streak was over. Uh, and that sounds cheesy, but it's a, a, an amazing movie. And and I'm pretty critical of gambling movies, so it, it's a you know it's one to seek out. But the the reality is in that movie and it's based on the Dostoevsky book The Gambler for those who like to read you know literature f- fans is the concept is that a lot of compulsive gamblers want to lose that there's a ma- there's a masochistic element to it where they want to feel the pain right so they're like sadistic to themselves <laughs> and i think there's some truth to that in some and and, and you know especially amongst compulsives but There's something else that I don't think anyone's ever really put their finger on, which is when there's that moment when it's all on the line cuz if you had the browns and you had let's say a big bet on him right cuz that's why a guy like barkley bets so much people say barkley's lost you know i think the papers have said like 15 million in his life betting or like big big numbers right and there you know one time he was asked why do you bet so much and he's like well i got to bet enough that i care right cuz like if you bet a quarter on a game, you don't care, right? So you got to bet enough that you care. And let's imagine you've had a bet on the game and you had enough that you cared and your stomach has that feeling when they're throwing the ball around that even though you you know you're putting yourself in this situation that you're making yourself vulnerable to fate in a way, you love the risk. You love the suspense. I can remember back in the score phone days, right? So pre-internet, I graduated college in 92, so you know I was doing a lot of betting and you know even before that, no internet, so you would call up a score phone and they would promote whatever they were promoting, like sell your house for the game of the year, <laughs> you know kind of thing. But then you get to the scores and it was free and what would happen is let's say I was lane 6, right, on a basketball game. And they'd say um, let's say the Lakers, Lakers 78 or, or uh, let's be more realistic, Lakers 118. And you're thinking, don't say 110. Don't say one. Because if it comes in like 108, <laughs> you know, you got it right. If you're right, line six right. or whatever, then it'll be one. And then you hear the teen start and it's like, oh 13. And then you do the math in your head. And it's, like, ah! and they, it's like that moment is what, for a lot of people, it's all about. Now, listen, you, you don't talk a ton about it, but you like to bet recreationally. Can you relate to what I'm saying?
0: Oh, 100%. But I can't. If I do anything over $10, bucks, <laughs> i am stressing out about it. But because because I got burned so bad. I, I tried a $100 parlay one time, <laughs> on and it was back when LeBron James, I think, was a rookie. And so, this was
1: pl- pretty straight out of Vegas.
0: Yeah, this was a long time ago. I was a busboy at TGI Fridays. It was a Friday night, and I put Put a $100 parlay on uh, the calves. I had the calves plus two, and I bet the under of 201. And they were playing the Orlando Magic. They were leading throughout the game, and it was a low-scoring game. And then, all of a sudden, points started flying by in the fourth quarter. And the game wasn't televised. So, I'm just checking the, the scores periodically on the bottom line back then. There was no, you know, we didn't oh, have That NBA was the ticket.
1: worst. That was the worst it was when they would stop right before your game. Yeah, and they go and to they commercial. The it wasn't yeah. on. It
0: was awful. So, I'm, I'm, you know, pretending like I'm, you know, squirting down tables. and I'm <laughs> stressing out about this bet. And it gets to... Uh, there, uh, Cleveland is leading Orlando 100 to 97 with under 10 seconds left. So I'm looking good. I've got Cleveland minus two, and I've got the under of 201. And so <laughs> you still I,
1: remember? You still yeah, remember?
0: I remember it because I, it changed how I gambled for the rest of my life. And I remember Tracy McGrady put up a three at the buzzer for Orlando. He missed it, but he got fouled, and he went to the free throw line. He hit all free all three free throws, and it went to overtime and because it was a parlay, the over hit, and I lost my bet. Uh-huh. And I I spent the rest of the night looking at every table and every dish that I was cleaning going, this is all free tonight. Like, I'm not <laughs> going to get paid tonight because I got to go pay whoever it is that I bet through the 100 bucks, And that's about what I was going to make that night if I hustled enough. So,
1: Even if you yeah. didn't pay taxes.
0: <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, it was
1: terrible. That's Jonathan Stocks. I'm RJ Bo straight out of Vegas. And really, we don't Talk about the lifestyle of gambling a ton, but this is a night or you know a recap to really think about. As Hyman Roth said in Godfather Two, you know this is the business we've chosen. Why do we do these things? And remember, if you're not about half our audience doesn't bet; they just like to know. With the sharps know and, and we love that and, and I try to cater to that. I I know if you bet you're gonna like what we do. Right. I want the people who are in, that respect Vegas but don't bet. I want them to like what we do also and you know, half the people are in that category. But think about it. It's, if you bet a nickel, let's say you bet five hundred, it's not the five hundred you have at risk. You've effectively got a thousand and fifty at risk because if you win five hundred versus lose five fifty. And I'm telling you right now, I may you know, I've been luckily successful, or some luck, but a lot of hard work, successful. Uh, I can spend a thousand dollars without it, you know, really thinking about it. I, I you know. But when, there, when you're thinking, I'm gonna have a thousand dollars less, a thousand fifty less, if it goes one way, or a thousand fifty more if it goes the other, and there's a field goal or something that is gonna decide it, <laughs> it is a big. It churns your stomach yeah. in a way that that's the weird part. You're not a, inclined to be a big gambler. Because you hated that feeling. But you know what? <laughs> A lot of me. people love that feeling. They chase yeah. it because they want to win. Because you're going to win half the time, at least. And thus, you're going to love it. And that's it's the ag- agony and ecstasy of gambling. And last night, when. It was, and that's the funny thing is when things like that laterals was happening, most of the time it turns out to mean nothing. But you know, one out of thirty times it's going to mean something, and that's when you're watching it, that tingle is what it's all about. Some people love it, and some people hate it, like Jonas.
0: Yeah, it was off. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
1: Straight Out of Vegas
0: on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: I'm not a hot take guy, but what I'm going to say next, you're probably, a lot of you, especially if you love Lamar, is going to consider it a hot take. But I'd bet you on it. Promise you that. <laughs> it's about, <laughs> well, this is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. We thank you so much for the support. We'll keep trying extra hard to continue and finish this great football season right here in Las Vegas on the Strip. 55 degrees in the neon is pumping.
0: And RJ, before we have to get into the conversation about Lamar Jackson here, you mentioned Rob Parker. In celebration of Fox Sports Radio's 20th anniversary, we are naming the top 20 athletes of the past 20 years, from 2000 all the way through 2020. So far, we've revealed numbers 6 through 20. The latest reveal, Floyd Mayweather at 10, Lionel Messi at 9, Roger Federer came in at 8, Sprinter Usain Bolt took home 7th, and 6th went to the late, great Kobe Bryant. Numbers 4 and 5, of the top athletes of the century will be revealed tonight on The Odd Couple with Chris Broussard and Rob Parker at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. The top three athletes of the century will also be revealed tonight, but not in order. The order of the top three will be announced on Thursday. Be sure to tune in tonight, 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific for all the pageantry on The Odd Couple right here on Fox Sports Radio, just to find out who cracks the top five. You mentioned Lamar Jackson and a hot take he uh a heroic effort to come back on the field we don't know exactly what was going on with lamar we don't have any confirmation as to whether or not it was cramps or maybe cramps with a silent m but nonetheless lamar led the ravens back to a victory last night 47 42 over
1: the browns <laughs> did you come up with that the sound of them yeah that's pretty I good know. That's a... <laughs> so I- i'm gonna ask you to do something for me, Jonas. Okay. You're a go along, get along guy. Would you agree with that? Uh, meaning that you don't you don't try to find fights.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, it's not my thing. Yeah,
1: exactly. But I'm going to ask you to be especially critical, not irrationally so. But I want you to aggressive. If you have any questions or skepticism about what I'm saying, I want you to be particularly sharp about it
0: okay we can is that,
1: do that fair yeah let's do it all right so Lamar Jackson by all even get up today was talking about it like you said it was you know some type of uh, gastrointestinal uh, disruption so let's let's accept as and when I say even get up that's the kind of place that's not going to speculate a buy chat show is I think it's fair to say that's likely the case so let's assume that from you know this conversation he was in the middle of the fourth series, missed when the two-minute warning happened. So, at the beginning of that fourth drive that he missed, there were times, or at the very start of that drive, the Ravens had a 40% chance to win the game based upon the odds. So, they were underdogs to win the game. And still, at that time, Lamar did not choose to return, there's no talk about the doctors forbid, you know, forbidding it. He wasn't, you know, it was a choice. Can you, you know, you you're going to be able to come back in. He did not choose to come back in up to that point for four drives including this fourth drive. And this was since the middle of the third quarter. So we're talking about a full quarter and more of the game. Um, now, we can debate about, you know, maybe uh, on the terminology of he didn't choose to come back in. I'm not sure if we can, right? Because when he chose to come back in, there wasn't anything stopping him. He came in. Yeah. So, do you think all that's fair so far?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think okay. it's all fair.
1: So, what? how do we explain the fact that he played so exceptionally well? Meaning this... He played exceptionally well after he came back in. He saved the day. He, in his own words, I think, said a Superman-esque return. Okay, But when McSurley was not hurt, he was choosing not to come back in even though McSurley had one completion in over a quarter. So just doing the math, that... Would average to three or four in a game based on how much, you know, a th- one and one third quarters yeah. or whatever had passed. So, literally, when you're on a four completion in a game pace and you're below 50% to win the game, and your season effectively is on the line if you lose the game. It seems like the stakes are about as high as they get in the NFL, and still Lamar chose not to come back in. When he did choose to come back in, he played exceptionally well. My question is this. What does it say about the choice to play before? when the, Before the snap that McSurley got hurt on, Lamar chose effectively to say, you take it, McSurley. I'm going to sit here and, and try to you know take care of this. If he came back in and couldn't play, or was thrown up on the field, you could say, "Wow, that choice he made not to come back in made, made sense." Because look at the consequences. Look, look at him; he can't. He can't do. It. It's almost like if someone chose not to come into work, but then you call him up and go, "We really need you to come in. The stakes are super high." If they come back in and 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 do an exceptional job at work, on one hand you appreciate the exceptional job. On the other hand. You have to wonder, wait a minute. Why
0: couldn't you be here?
1: Why couldn't you be here? If you're able to play like this, why did you choose not to play the play before? Yeah what do you think um,
0: it's all fair uh, it, it's it's an interesting there's there's something missing there there's a portion of the story missing and it wasn't even just the fact that he came back in it, I was watching the game and a buddy of mine who's a little bit of a conspiracy theorist uh, just said wow that looked pretty scripted I was like what do you mean and he said you know he just happens to be ready to go right after the guy injures his knee it just it seemed it seemed a little bit odd it just and he was kind of teasing a little bit, but it was, the timing of it was weird, because he didn't show any ill effects of the quote-unquote cramping he issues was doing he
1: interview. He was doing interviews after the game.
0: Yeah, and so, he, and, and he scrambled, and that fourth down play that he made, that was all him. He scrambled, he got away from the rush, they thought he was going to run, and then he found Brown and, and made the play, and then he looked great on that final drive to where they set up Tucker for, for the game-winning field goal. So, yeah, it, it's, it's a little odd, and mm. I just, I don't know. I don't know what, what the explanation is. I don't know if he just... I don't think
1: there can be one. Yeah, because it, he, it's Here's weird. my point, is if it was all some setup or something... Then, first of all, this isn't a movie, right? So, how could it be? They were below 50. And I get if you would have waited till the last drive or, you know, the, that that fourth drive. Though, I still don't get that because every drive you have in a guy that can't complete a pass when your season's on the line is hurting your chances to make the playoffs. So, yeah. I don't understand why there'd be any sense of that. The only reason that, that he could have came in at that time and not to play before. And remember, the play before was third down, right? Like, uh, so it wasn't like, uh, okay, the little kid tried to do it, but give me the wrench, I can do it. No, it's that it was going to be hard for Lamar at that point to do it. Yeah. So even a healthy Lamar, let's draw an analogy here. I'm RJ, both straight out of Vegas, cold cash over hot takes. Now. A lot of, you know, I guess you got to be a little older at this point. Scotty Pippen's migraine game. But if you watched The Last Dance, you probably heard about that, where there was a situation where he just couldn't play because of a migraine. And it was a high stakes game. And really, he has not lived that down. Fair or unfair? No, it's fair. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what I'm saying is it may be fair to him or not, but he has not lived it down. Yeah. And imagine, though. If somehow the stakes had gone up where it was like, Scotty, three guys have gotten hurt. We'll have to play with four players without you. Can you play? And if he runs out and plays and plays as well as he's ever played, would that be good or bad? Because it would say he could have played. So, in a way, Pippin has not lived this down for sitting out the whole time. But isn't that exactly what Lamar was doing unless there was some event that made it where they'd have to go to emergency quarterback or not? Because if, if, if McSurley hadn't gotten hurt... Odds are, Lamar couldn't even come out quick enough. I guess it was right at the two-minute warning, so, so it's like, it would have been fourth and five, and the Ravens would have been a big underdog at that point to win the game, and all that time, Lamar was there capable of playing as well as any quarterback literally ever has walked the earth is how well he played after he went back in.
0: Yeah, that must have been the most amazing timing that he all of a sudden was ready, healthy enough and ready to go right as McSorley ripped up his knee on the turf. Like That or, must have been just a, a, a perfect occurrence and, and timing situation.
1: Or there was something... He had a moment, or he had moments there where he said, I, I can't do this. I, I'm not up for it. I don't want to take the blame if we lose. It, it seemed like the idea of, of, of shirking responsibility, of shrieking from the moment, I, it, I don't know how it could be perceived as anything else.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird. And, and even if he did go back and he had, you know, whatever, you know, he had issues with his stomach and he needed to use the bathroom and all that, I, I mean, why? Why did he come out in the first place, and why was he just now all of a sudden ready to? Did he just come to the conclusion of, all right, well then, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen, and and they need me now. I just I thought it was odd that McSorley went down. The broadcast is saying, well, we don't even know who their their other quarterback mm-hmm. is going to be, and then here comes Lamar running onto the field. It just it, it felt a little bit too perfect for me.
1: Now, let me know. ask you. I saw some footage on this, and I thought this is, but you know how they can cut footage differently. The footage I saw had it where Lamar was getting treatment or whatever, and that he was kind of told, hey, he's hurt, he's hurt, and he jumps up and runs out. Now, did you see that? Because what you just said a minute ago made me kind of feel like that he already had wandered out onto the sidelines. From what I saw, he wasn't even out out in the open until after – McSorley got hurt, and he was notified about He
0: said, I don't know specifically where he was at the time of the injury, but he said after the game, something along the lines of, I was stretching out and trying to loosen up, and then I saw my guy go down, meaning McSorley. So,
1: so really, effectively saying, I was choosing not to even be on the sidelines, now he's saying to get prepared, but I mean, I got to tell you something. Oh, you! If he would have came out and played horribly and and gotten sick on the sidelines, I would have thought that was courageous. Like to even yeah. try, but to come out and play that well without any visible effects of what led you to not play for the last what 45 minutes of game uh, of effect. I mean, let's think about that. A whole quarter of football takes about you know 40 minutes probably. It was like 35 to 40 minutes of real time. In the, in, you know, taking care of bathroom issues and then coming out and playing that well, that to me is worse than if he had played. Uh, we know he can play well. That's the easy part. Yeah. In fact, his QBR in this game was the highest of any quarterback this season. So, but some, I and mean, listen, he had COVID. So I'm not at all questioning that he was sick. I'm not questioning that he was too sick to come in. What I'm saying is, if he was too sick to come in w- one minute, how isn't he the next moment? And when he comes in the next moment, how could he play that well and still have been too sick before? I'm not trying to diminish COVID. I'm not trying, but what I'm saying is logically, I don't see any answer that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's very weird. And, especially, and look, he was playing well before that, too. I mean, even, you know, he had the issue with the cleats, and they needed to change out his cleats because the, the field was torn up. Um, but, I mean, he was playing well before that, so I don't know if he just had a, a mental moment to where he froze or he felt like, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure, and I don't know if I can do this and or whatnot.
1: But that would have been more in a moment, right, Judge? Yeah. like 20, I, 30
0: minutes. Yeah. It just so, and he was out for a long time, and you know, people speculated when he watched him go back uh, to the locker room. Oh, okay, he's got something. He's got to use the bathroom, and it was like, well, he's back there a long time. Like this, like everybody's been in that moment. It doesn't take that long. It's in fact, it's pretty quick. Uh, like, you do
1: listen. If this were a movie, and what. We're speculate. What I'm speculating is true. There would have been a moment he was back there and he was like sweating. He was I "Can't do." And then he was said, "You know, I can do." It's like it would have been that moment that you don't see. Yeah. The TV doesn't see. But once again, a, a-, a tweet at me at RJ Vegas. Explain to me, what other. Excellent. i mean the thing that swings is totally is how well he played because it it it's not like a cramp cuz one minute you can have a cramp, and maybe that were they saying cramps at the time or because that, that kind of you could see how a cramp you would have it and then one minute and then the next minute you don't that happens with cramps right anyone's done any ath- yeah. athletic but this obviously by all accounts wasn't it, it, and if it was it was like I, I've never seen cramps that go that long without him being able to at least be on the sidelines and potentially be ready to try to do a play here or there. It just, and I, I, I've seen nothing in his past that would make you think he's scared. No. Or, and, but to some degree, here's the ultimate question Why isn't, have you heard anyone else discuss this?
0: No, they just everyone's you know kind of having fun and and you know getting a laugh out of the idea that he had to use the bathroom and that for forty he's still minutes, denied, yeah, that he's still denying it. But there's been t- like I remember this George Saint Pierre, who's one of the great MMA fighters of all time for the UFC. He he lost in a fight to Matt Sarah and he got finished, and it was a huge one of the biggest upsets in the history of the sport because he was so much better. And Matt Sarah clipped him and he lost his title to him. And one of the moments at the end of that fight was while Matt Sarah's punching him on the ground. George St. Pierre is tapping. He's tapping to punches. And he got people were ridiculing him and making fun of him and they asked him afterwards, "So what happened there?" And he just flatly said, "I got scared." Just in the moment, I got scared, and I didn't know what to do. And he learned a lot from it and went on and beat him afterwards in the rematch and dominated him, all that. But I do think we sometimes lose the idea that, man, in the moment, with high pressure and all this stuff going on... Sometimes the stress can make you do things and, and act in a certain way that you're not really, we wouldn't normally do. And maybe this was one of those situations for Lamar.
1: And you know, know what? If that is true, the fact that we hide it when it happens makes it so the next person wants to hide it. Yeah. And in a weird way, and not that this country is particularly forgiving about that kind of stuff. And I'm not even sure that's it. I just know that, that one of the roles the media is supposed to play is to ask the tough questions so they get answered. No one seems to be asking the tough questions here. They're celebrating it, which I get because it was deserving a celebration in one way. But why wasn't he on the field?